Welcome to the Manifest with Cat Claire podcast, where we style our thoughts before our outfits and we step into our power. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Manifest with Kath Claire. I am really excited about today's special guest, a cosmic throat singer. Yes, I first experienced his not-of-this-earth talent when I was at Dr. Joe Dispenza's advanced follow-up retreat in Marco Island a couple of months ago. If you listen to my podcast episode about my experience there, you know that something special happened in Marco Island in September. And I'm still kind of working through what this experience was or to find the words to express it because it's almost like that experience is still unfolding every day since I was there. However, what I do know is that there was one meditation that blew my heart right open. This song is something I will never forget and I had to track down the man that created it. And that is who we have on the podcast today, Matthew Cosell. And I am so excited for you guys to hear his story, all about his expertise. Um, And yeah, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. I'm happy and honored to be here. Ah, such a blessing. Um, Gosh, I just have so many questions for you. Um, What is your first experience with manifesting? (laughs) I know, right? It's a loaded question. (laughs) Right. My first experience with manifesting. Oh, my God. Well, um, well, Okay, here's what comes up. You know, there's probably thousands more that I could uh, go on about. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) When I was uh, 19 years old, which is a long time ago, we'll just put it that way. um, (laughs) I was in uh, university studying music. I was a music major in college. And in my second year of school, um, you know, I had all these dreams of, uh, you know, becoming a a rock successful rock musician that was that was the music that really uplifted me and gave me some hope through my uh, teen years and um so i was really into Jimi hendrix and so were my bandmates at the time and so i was reading the biography of Jimi hendrix and you know i always wondered what it would be like to talk to him and to meet him and but then he was um at least 10 years gone. Uh, and I'm really dating myself. <laughs> but uh, so I'm commuting to uh, the university with my friend, classmate and bandmate. He's driving. I'm reading the biography of Jimi Hendrix. It's called Voodoo Child of the Aquarian Age. Ooh. And as I'm reading, I, they started talking about a song I'd never heard before. And uh, they had the lyrics to the song. And the moment, I didn't notice that my friend had put a tape in the deck and I wasn't paying attention to the music. But the moment I was reading the lyrics of the song, Jimi Hendrix was singing those very words wow. on the stereo. Right it, along with you. Yeah, it could not have been more perfectly timed. Wow. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. What wow. a synchronicity. Yeah. So I count that as like a major manifestation event because like I was really, you know, kind of reaching for the spirit of Jimi Hendrix. And then all of a sudden yeah. there's this unmistakable sign 
Absolutely. And especially since, you know, music is such a huge part of your life, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) It's like just such a perfect synchronicity for how your life has unfolded. Yeah. It, uh, in that moment, you know, after I processed all the chills going through my body, yeah, <laughs> I, I took it as, you know, obviously I took it as a sign. I mean, I don't know how someone could not take that as a sign. Right. And I took a vow at that point. I said, okay, whatever it takes, I'm going to do this. I'm all in. Yes. And uh, little did I know what a hard road, whatever it takes, can be. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I manifested that, too. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so you were in university when you took that vow. Yeah, Univer- okay. university. <laughs> and you have been, like, all over the music map since then. I mean, you've been in rock bands, and now you have pretty much invented your own kind of singing. <laughs> so yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's really... It's been an amazing blessing. Um, yes. Uh, the path of, uh, you know, rock music for me, um, I moved to the biggest, nearest big city that uh, for me was Denver, Colorado, and joined a working band. And in those days, uh, this was uh, 1982, mm-hmm. uh, in those days, every town, big or small, had nightclubs or bars where there would be live entertainment. And uh, so there is work for, uh, you know, skilled musicians uh, at the entry level. You could go out and play in the bars and, you know, make a a meager living at it. And that's what I did. I joined a working band and, uh, you know, we're going on these little tours. And and, um, so there's, you know, a thrill factor there for me just to be performing and getting paid for it. But after a couple of years, I started to realize that this wasn't going to get me where I needed to go, mm-hmm. playing other people's music. So I started uh, uh, forming uh, my own projects with, uh, you know, recruiting some of the musicians that I had come to meet and, and know uh, through my experiences and creating our own music. Uh, and that was, there were some moments there, um, musical bliss and, and, you know, every once in a while we hit that transcendent space, but it was always, uh, there's always a a dark side to it. And one was, uh, dealing with the personalities and, and conditions of my fellow bandmates who were, Mm -hmm. some of them were rather dysfunctional, um, (laughs) flip side of their talents. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And, and I didn't have, a spiritual practice at that point in my life, which is something that was harming me. Um, you know, I, I come from a, I guess you could say a spiritual background, you know, it was really middle of the middle of the road America. Um, you know, my family would go to church on Sundays, you know, and, and, right. and I always believed in that uh, universal intelligence they call God. I was always reaching out to it. Um, and I actually had an experience when I was about 12 years old where I realized now my crown chakra opened through that uh, lineage. But I can't imagine like <laughs> feeling that at 12, or 12 you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea what hit me, but I knew it was like something. Something, yeah. yeah electric came down through the cr- crown of my head. Electric, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I couldn't... Uh, uh, it just didn't work for me. You know, the dogma and the way things were being presented. 
And so I kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. And I didn't have nothing to replace it with. So music was my only lifeline to the spirit world. And um, while I was trying to create these transcendent experiences, you know, those were fleeting uh, when I was oh, doing yeah. this. Something music. missing. Yeah. And so in my later 20s, uh, as I was going through my, what people in astrology know as the Saturn return. Oh, yes. The time when you, you know, typically question your meaning, you know, the meaning of your life and why yeah. your, your purpose for being. Stuff gets a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, these questions were, you know, hanging over me. Um, and it's... Uh, I was starting to go into depression and wondering, you know, why am I here? Because, you know, I wasn't manifesting the dreams that I had set out to do and the promise of Jimi Hendrix singing right? to me. Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, come on, what's going on here? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got to, a, you know, a really low point and I just decided in that moment that I needed to find my way. I needed to find a path that there is a way for me to connect. Uh, and I was going to go find it. So I just went to a bookstore and I found a book called inner power secrets from Tibet and the Orient. Ooh. And yeah, this uh, book is the one that jumped out, you know, off the shelves at me. And in this book, I learned about the human energy system from the Eastern perspective and a little bit of the philosophy um, and, you know, and, and terms like chi and prana and chakras, things that a lot of people now take for granted. I had never heard these words yeah. before. Uh-huh. And, so powerful. Yeah. And as I read through the descriptions of the chakras, I knew that I had found some truth because I had my own life experiences and my own body centered experiences that related directly to what they're describing and the attributes oh, of the yeah. chakras. And so, now you've had like the words to understand what maybe happened when you were 12 or with the Jimi Hendrix synchronicity. Exactly. When I, I remember when I finally got to, you know, they called chakra number seven, you know, the crown chakra and they're talking about the connection to the spirit. I realized, Oh my God, that was real. That thing that happened right. to me when I was a kid, that was real. You know, here's, right. you know, validation and, so this made a huge impact on me, and I started practicing some of the practices in this book, which some of which I still do today. And um, about six months later, my girlfriend at the time brought me to a metaphysical store, which I had never set foot in a metaphysical store before. And we went in, and I walked into a wall of sound that absolutely rocked my world. It was a recording of the Gyoto monks from Tibet. This is an order of monks that do a deep chant with an unworldly, deep-sounding voice. And they chant mm. their mantras. Well, I didn't even know what a mantra was. And I sure didn't know, recognize the sound that I was hearing. Right. But they were blasting it on the stereo. <laughs> like, you couldn't not okay. hear it. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm like, what is this that we're listening to? And the lady says, oh, it's Tibetan monks. And I'm like, are you got to be kidding? And I got these chills again, just, you know, racing down the length of my spine. Right. And I bought the tape. Of course. <laughs> of course. Is that tape 
being 1989. <laughs> so, All right. And wow. uh, yeah, so I, I just started listening to it and meditating to it. And it, you know, obviously resonated with me and on a very deep level. And yeah. I was trying to mimic their sound unsuccessfully. I, I thought they were singing deeply, but it's, it's actually, they're creating. Now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you know. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah. And, and uh, so that percolated with me. And so I had these things happening inside of me. And yet I'm still on this path of, uh, you know, music and doing whatever it takes and working some jobs that weren't really in, in line with my spiritual um, aspirations. So were you at this point, were you still in the rock band or what, um, where were you in your life when you were uh, reading this book and listening to the Tibetan monks chanting? Yeah, I, I was in um, one of my bands. I, there's, okay. you know, I think there's like 15 different projects over about an 18 year period. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You were really doing whatever it takes. Yeah. I, you we were, were going to, yes. Put heart and soul into it, writing this music and, you know, rehearsing, yeah. looking it out, performing and hoping to be discovered somehow. And, and of course, way before the days of the internet. I know. So, gosh. <laughs> in the olden yeah. days. And, um, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I kept going and, and the bands were getting better. My last band, uh, ironically, we called ourselves Critical Mass. And oh. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> turns out, um, we didn't know at the time, but in San Francisco, there's another band that was signed to a label called Critical Mass, but we didn't even know that they existed. So we were in our own little bubble, Critical yeah. Mass in Denver, playing in the bars. <laughs> I love that name. Thank you. Well, it, it was like, it was Critical Mass for me as... Um, I, I just really, things were coming to a head for me spiritually and energetically. And I was really craving and knowing that I needed to make some changes in my life and to live more holistically and to be more focused on my spiritual uh, path. And I was so did asking you have, did you have any, like, I feel like it's so self-aware for you to know that there was something missing when you were, you know, using music in a different way, doing the rock bands, experiencing all this dysfunction. Did you have anyone in your life that was influencing you to go towards a more spiritual path? Or was it something that you just innately felt that you were missing maybe from your experiences, you know, as a child? Um, yeah. What, it was, what it was, was that my, like? It was my heart, you know. Oh, just, so yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I felt like I needed to have more meaning in my life yeah. and, and make deeper connections and, and, build a, a community around me. I was very lonely, you know, cause I didn't, cause even though I had some friends that I didn't feel like I could relate to them, you know, from the parts of myself that are the most important. It's so, so interesting hearing you say this, like looking at your, having looked at your human design chart and knowing that you're a generator because generators, they have a lot of energy and, you know, to get anything done basically. But if they don't feel connected to why they're using their energy, it really causes friction and a disconnect in their energetic being. So it's just so cool that without knowing that, you just innately knew this what you needed. Yeah. The uh, profile information that you shared with me about my mm -hmm. human design chart was just spot on. Yeah, and just hearing your story, it's all just making so much sense. Yeah. 
So cool. I love seeing that all come together. <laughs> well, so in 1994, I went camping, in, uh, which I, I always did whenever I had the chance. You know, in Colorado, you go to the mountains, get right. out of the city and, and recharge. Enjoy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my girlfriend at the time uh, went with me, and she wanted to climb some boulders on top of this random peak in uh, South Park, Colorado, is where we were. <laughs> and, Ironically enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I really didn't want to go, but I followed her up this, this mountainside. There was no trail. It was kind of rough footing. And we got to the top, and these words just popped out of my mouth, and I don't can't really say why other than it was meant to be. I said, I wonder if there's any crystals around here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the moment I said that, I turned my head, and here's this crystal shining in the sun, about the size of an egg with chicken wow. egg. Yeah. And it's all by itself, glistening in the sun. I went over and picked it up, and my life changed. <laughs> in that moment, mm. you know, I and felt how old like were you at the time? I was 33. Oh, Jesus. Here. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You couldn't make this stuff up. <laughs> uh, you couldn't. <laughs> so I picked this up. Wow. And I felt like I'm being watched, you know. Uh, clearly yeah, a portal so- opened. And, yes. Um, I, my day job, to be uh, transparent here, my day job, I was a manager at a High dollar burlesque club in Denver, Colorado. Oh, <laughs> yeah! A lot of guys say, "Oh, yeah, great job." I'm like, "No, <laughs> I was in hell." <laughs> it looked glamorous on the outside, but no. Yeah, what an experience! Yeah, wow. <laughs> Especially, you know, you're trying to get on, you know, really tune into your spirituality, and it's like the complete. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess learning ground, you could say. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, now I, I can see as I look back, I, 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 what an incredible training ground that was. Yes. I was practicing my grounding skills. Absolutely. It was uh, always a potentially volatile environment. Oh, gosh. And uh, there's a danger factor there uh, of <laughs> Just a little. varying degrees from, you know, irritant to extreme. <laughs> and. Oh, yeah, so um, you know things could happen, and and I was always on guard. And anyway, um, wow, yeah. I had been, I knew it was time to get out of there. So when I'm driving home, I'm holding onto this crystal, and I just started getting depressed thinking about going back into that environment. I just realized I just kept saying, "I'm done. I have to you get out of there. I can't do it anymore." Such the polar opposite of what you just felt with that you know seeing that crystal sparkling in the sun and then you've got to come back down from the mountain and be like wait i can't i I can't go back to that exactly (laughs) so i showed up for work the next day my boss was waiting outside the club with my final check in his hand and with tears in his eyes he's let me go he said i explained to me that he was losing money (laughs) he couldn't afford to pay my salary anymore Gosh. And so, boom, I was let go. It was taken care of. Your wish is granted, yeah. Yes. Um, so Critical Mass was scheduled to go into the recording studio that night, and for the entire week, uh, we had the book, um, evenings booked that week to do record a demo. 
which we did. And I still listened to the music on my way to, or driving around town. Mostly. I just love, love it. And, yeah. um, but the band broke up about two and a half months later. Oh gosh. So, so I everything's crystal, just, you know, and, and I've been asking for change and then the ground just fell away underneath my feet. You know, my, my job, my band, you know, and so there I was. <laughs> <laughs> there you were. And the Naked change and alone had the been granted. Wow. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I didn't really have a plan, but I had been very attracted to the healing arts and hands-on healing in particular. I'd been reading about Reiki and I was already knew I was really good with my hands uh, for giving massage. So I went to massage therapy school and I got my Reiki training and I started diving into all the meditation practices uh, and experiences I could find and um, learning about things like mantras and experiencing the essence and power of certain mantras. Um, so, and I quit music at that time. I was so heartbroken when this band broke up. Cause I, I oh. the guys, these are like, it was my, the best musically. And it was also the best interpersonally. We had a really good vibe between, between us. We were all friends and, uh, so not really, so much dysfunction, not so much dysfunction, although there yeah. was still present, but you know, yeah, <laughs> just like in a group setting, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, but it was just like so much heart and soul went into the music and, and creating it. And, and I, you know, I really had my hopes set on this one being the yeah. one and that broke up and I was like, I'm done. You know, I just knew I couldn't go on. So I, I basically quit music at that point. Well, uh, about a year into my new path, I got an inspiration one day to start holding meditation circles in my home. Ooh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, and I, I just felt like I could hold space and invite people in to connect to the heart, connect to the earth, and connect to source. And in yeah. that uh, experience, you know, in the group experience, our energies are magnified exponentially, which I'm sure you've um, yes. experienced for yourself. Yes. And so I just called up my friends and let them know what I'm doing. And a few of them showed up. They had experiences. We all had a really profound experiences wow. in those circles. And eventually, as I'm leading these guided meditations, eventually it came to a point where I, I just couldn't find the English language words to express what I was perceiving. So I decided ohm. So I went out an ohm and people told me how they could feel the energy of the sound move through them and around them. Wow. And that got my attention. And of course. Um, also while doing that, I was hearing more texture in the voice than I had when then I was aware of, you know, especially, mm -hmm. you know, compared to like belting out tunes in a, in a rock band with a, you know, Oh yeah. Very different lining. experience. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so I started to explore the overtones or harmonics that are present in the human voice, something that we all have. Um, and I, and as I experimented with my voice, I was starting to find ways to amplify the sound of the harmonics or overtones. 
And then after a couple of years of doing the meditation circles, I was able to reproduce that deep sound that the Tibetan monks did. Mm. <clears throat> so now, now I know it's called throat singing, uh, also okay. known as overtone singing. Overtone singing. Okay. Yeah. And so we all have these overtones or harmonics in our voice. It's, it's a naturally occurring phenomenon. And uh, mm. people often ask, what is an overtone? What's a harmonic? And yeah. so if you pluck the string, let's say a single string on a guitar, uh-huh. you're going to recognize the note that it's tuned to. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because there's a specific number of vibrational waves moving in space um, per second. And those are the hertz. That's how we measure frequency, the vibrational waves. Mm-hmm. Well, those waves double in frequency and then double again and continue to multiply upon themselves into infinity. And those multiplications of the fundamental tone are overtones or harmonics. Oh. So it's like additional notes that are stacked on top of the fundamental tone. And the harmonics are really how we can tell the difference between, let's say, a guitar and a clarinet playing the same note. Because they both, oh. the instruments create harmonics in a different um, emphasis of, of the patterns. And oh. so as a throat singer or overtone singer, I'm manipulating the sound coming from my vocal cords with my human instrument, the, the head, the, where I'm placing the sound, and the, how I hold the tongue, lips, teeth, jaw. Mm-hmm. And it amplifies specific overtones. To make it mm. um, make them more okay. audible, and so it sounds similar to like two people singing or a, you know self-created harmony. It can create mm. multiple tones at one time, and uh, so this is how music came back to me after I oh. quit. <laughs> wow! So I'm so fascinated by the your um, description of harmonics and overtones because yeah. I'm seeing kind of like uh similarity between just our own energy and manifesting because you know dr joe always says when you have a really good meditation or you know just any meditation you're kind of throwing a stone into the river if you will (laughs) and then it's rippling out and out and out and out you know and creating changes in the quantum field and i always kind of visualizing it becoming infinite so it's so interesting that that's how i mean i never really knew that that's how music and instruments and throat singing was. Yeah. So it, it ties it all together. It's like yes, the, it's really, into the structure of the universe. Wow. Yes. Gosh, that's so profound. Yeah. So I also, it became apparent um, that, you know, that's the mechanics of it. And so I think, you know, overtone music or hearing throat singers, it strikes a lot of people as very, um, otherworldly. And oh, yeah. I think that there's a, a natural response that our psyche has when we hear uh, sound presented in these specific ratios. There's a geometric perfection to it that mirrors the structure of the universe, right? Wow, um, yes. But even more significant, though, is the intention and mm. the emotion that's going... That, from the generator of that sound. In other words, that would be you. (laughs) 
here we are. <laughs> here we are. Back to it. Yeah. And wow. So, yeah, my heart space and that, that electromagnetic pulse of the heart is in training the sound, whether the sounds are coming from my voices or the instrument, you know, I'm absolutely sure that's why my music has the effect that it does on people. You know, I could go oh, yeah. through all the motions and, but if I was in a different space, it wouldn't be nearly as no. impactful. And yeah. uh, it creates a wow. feedback loop as well, because while I'm performing, it's giving the music's giving me more feelings that draw me deeper into that space. Wow. The same way yeah. we had a feedback loop in the group meditations as well. It's like right. as I dropped into that space of connection. Contagious. Yeah. It, it helps other people go there as well. Their yes. hearts move into a more coherence, more, more coherency. And then, you know, it creates this group Merkaba light field of energy that is, you know, self uh, generating, I guess, or self-multiplying. Yeah. And I've seen it. I mean, at Dr. Joe's retreats, like someone will have a spiritual experience and then that whole corner of the room is just like mm-hmm. popping off, if you will. And it's just so contagious. And I love hearing how you're describing it because I felt it, but I don't have the words to describe it like you do. And that's mm. really, really cool to hear your expertise. Thank you. Well, you know, I think it really illuminates for everyone how important it is that we uh, monitor and learn to, um, I guess, be in more command of our thoughts and emotions. And um, Oh, for sure. Because, you know, we're taking this out into the world. And when we're in our, you know, driving in rush hour, it's really easy, easy to get caught up in that group tension and you know even hostility absolutely and you know we have a responsibility to carry a higher vibration and an opportunity to carry something that's you know more harmony literally harmony into this world which is a tall order you know with everything thrown at us these days but but, you know we're here i sure we can do it yeah Yeah, and i feel like more so now than ever I, i just there's been so much chaos in the world and you know you can look at it as a bad thing or you can look at it as potential energy out there to turn back into harmony and the more that we can all tap into that the more it's contagious and the rest of the world will catch up around us or wherever it may be absolutely Uh, have you are you familiar with the term cymatics you heard of cymatics I'm not sure. You might have to explain it to me. Okay. It's uh, spelled C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S. Cymatics. It's the study of how sound affects matter. Oh. And some of the earliest experiments, they would place a metal plate on top of a speaker, and the speaker facing up. Place a metal plate on top. I've seen this. Yes. Yeah, and they'd pour like white sand or white powder on the, on the, on the plate, and they would generate... Uh, specific tones they're usually they're using the sine waves like a single uh, artificially um, produced tone and at certain frequencies the vibrations form these beautiful patterns some of them look like mandalas yes now as they sweep the frequency they they typically start with a low pitch and then gradually uh, increase the frequency going from a low note to a higher note Mm -hmm. Uh, at certain phases, 
the, the pattern that's existing will break down into chaos. And mm. then it reforms at a new note. It reforms into a new pattern. Oh, yeah. So when you think about the earth itself, the vibration of this planet is changing. It's fluctuating. Uh-huh. Yes. And, um, you know, according to the information I've uh, been exposed to, it's uh, in the process of rising. Yes, that's what I've seen. Yeah. So it, it would appear that on a societal level, things are dissolving. Things are breaking down because we're, mm-hmm. you know, going to be in Absolutely. the process of creating a new structure, mm-hmm. a new yes. form here on the planet. Mm-hmm. And everyone needs to participate. <laughs> everyone needs to participate. <laughs> Mandatory. Wow, yeah. I yeah. love that. I've definitely seen the um, videos where people play music and the sand or the water will start creating um, patterns. Yeah. But I never paid attention to the fact that when you go higher, they break down. Yeah. And that kind of explains exactly what happened to you with your spiritual awakening it's like you're going higher but you had to lose everything out from under you to really find what you were looking for with music exactly wow that's so cool so fascinating (laughs) i love this stuff gosh wow i feel like i'm speechless (laughs) (laughs) um so as you're going through your spiritual awakening and every, you know, you lost your band that you loved. It wasn't like losing the burlesque um, club, being the manager, that position that you had. It was something that, you know, you thought you wanted to hold on to. So were there any mantras or thoughts or just practices that you had that helped you kind of make that transition to the massage therapy and the Reiki and whatnot, like when things got hard, how did you, you know, keep your eye on the prize? Well, um, receiving body work was really important for me. And, and what a great thing that I was um, making that my new vocation. So oh, I yeah. had peers, you know, even when I was in school, I was receiving um, you know, receiving all the time as I was learning. And I yes. um, would reach out to my peers and, and we would um, trade each other all the time. Yeah. yeah. So that was really um, smart. <laughs> yeah. I did that. Yes. It's probably a super, super transformational. Yeah. Helped you with the change. Um, the meditation and uh, just, uh, my solo practice as well as in uh, groups was phenomenal for me. And yeah. also in that process, as I went through this change, I started to uh, bloom a whole network of um, community and, and friends, you know, yes. heart-centered friendships, oh, which I, I had that. been, you know, craving, you know, all my life. Yes. And I never really had up until that point. It's wow. like, you know, I, I was just feeling, I felt like I was just walking in grace, even though, you know, financially the transitions were hard and, and all that, but I just felt like I was just absolutely walking in grace. Yeah. Abundant in so many other ways, even if in the 3D definition, you know, having these heart centered friendships, you know, yeah, <laughs> is a blessing in and of itself, you know, like yeah. you said, walking in grace, but yeah. it's interesting you say that because a lot of people that I've talked to, um, on the podcast, when they're going through these transitions, 
you know, they really had to be alone and take steps towards, you know, their mission or their dream or whatever word you want to use for it before the community showed up. Absolutely. And I feel like sometimes when we're going out on a dream or whatever it may be, or a business idea, we, we wait until the community shows up mm. and it just keeps you in this holding pattern. Yeah. So I love to hear that the same thing happened for you. It's like you had to really walk out on faith before these heart centered friendships showed up. Absolutely. Like you had to be heart centered, you know, it, it's just such yeah. an interesting, um, dance. Yeah. And there's clearly, you know, a period where I felt, you know, absolutely alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even, um, the relationship that I was in when I found the crystal that, um, dissolved as I transitioned into this new phase. Right. Everything um, was just, (laughs) yeah. And it wasn't through animosity or anything like that. It just, it just wasn't meant to continue, you know? Um, but that, you know, I was feeling a lot of heartbreak around that. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's definitely a a period of like just feeling utterly alone in my choice and, and by just knowing that this is what I had to do. And I'm so grateful to my younger self that I continued. Absolutely. I feel like that's such an important thing to highlight because, you know, in this age of instant gratification, or, you know, the Instagram like button or how many mm-hmm. followers we have. It's so easy to be like, okay, I'm starting this. I'm going to go out on my dream. I only got one like, okay, I'm right. just going to stop, you know? And it's like the people that might be in your life or the followers that you have now might not be ready for what you're bringing to the world. And you have to keep going until you find the people that are. Absolutely. You know, and I find that in my own life sometimes. And I just love hearing you know, there is some da- there is some down times when you're going and creating this beautiful life that you've created and these beautiful songs that, I mean, I just know everyone at Dr. Joe's um, workshops were loving it, like mm-hmm. loving your creations. And even Dr. Joe couldn't stop saying like beautiful things about you, which is such a dream. <laughs> wow. But yeah, he is talking about your talent and several different times during the workshop. And you know, it's not like you just snapped your fingers and you had everything figured out. And then you decided, I'm going to go be a cosmic throat singer. No. You know, it's like you had to go through so many different things and risk, you know, so much to get to this point. Absolutely. And that's, I feel like, what manifesting is all about. It's believing in what you don't see before you see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you are a take, manifesto. You know, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And there had to be, um, you know, some, an element of faith, you know, for me, because. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I just trusting what I felt and, and the experiences that I had participated in um, and trusting that that wasn't uh, just some, I don't know, a flash in the pan or, or you know, I, I knew fluke. it was, yeah, I knew, exactly. I knew it was real and that I could share it. And it just felt, yeah. you know, deep inside me that this was really important to do. Yeah, clearly it is. Um, so what, I'm curious, what's your personal meditation practice looking like these days? 
I like to start my mornings with breath work. Oh, yeah. And um, <clears throat> I have a few different uh, modalities that I'm using. Currently, uh, I've been practicing Wim Hof method for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I like to also do uh, alternate nostril uh, pranayam. Yes. And um, I'm also doing a little bit of uh, breath of fire practice. And then I'll, okay. I'll usually start with those and then do Wim Hof breathing. So uh, how long does that usually take you in the morning, like your breath work in total, would you say? Uh, it can be anywhere from, well, it depends on how much time I give myself or if I'm pressed for time, but mm -hmm. I can make it like a 15-minute uh, experience or 45 minutes to an hour. You know? Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And once I get going, it's, you know, I don't want to stop. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. But, but um, yeah, and then I go into, um, from the breath work, I usually do um, silent meditation in a seated position. Oh. Um, and again, there's a lot of different modalities that I tap into. One, one that's uh, all very simple yet profound that I can share is uh, based from the Sufi tradition. And it's a practice mm -hmm. of listening to your heart, literally Ooh. listening and, and observing your heartbeat, your oh. physical heart. Yeah. And I find that when I slow down my breath and get to a, a deep, steady pace with my breath, breath, then I can feel my heart quite distinctly, and I can hear it. Ooh. And so it's obviously, you know, we have intelligence in our heart. Some consider yeah. it, you know, part of our, our brain mm -hmm. or maybe the main brain. Right. And um, I think it's really profound that, like, I'm training – in that practice, you train the, the conscious mind to listen to the heart. Mm. Oh, I want to try that. Mm -hmm. I, I find it wow. I've always been fascinated by Sufis in general. So that's interesting that um, you bring that up. Wow, I definitely want to try that. And I'm sure that's super like a super powerful practice for you, especially because you know you're tuning into your heart so much when you're creating this music or doing live um, events, you know? Yeah. So, wow. yeah, I also love to do Dr. Joe's meditations. I, um, yeah, full disclosure, I haven't uh, attended his uh, retreats yet, and I haven't done the full, uh, the full prerequisite trainings yet. But, uh, oh, well, it I, seems like you're probably qualified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, love, I love what I've experienced uh, through him so far. And, uh, yeah, I definitely plan on continuing to do that and growing through there. I remember him saying that uh, one of the things he loved about your music was that it was so kind of what you were explaining earlier, just uh, mathematical, mm. you know, and of course everyone, I, or I guess everyone doesn't know, but the language of the universe is math, people would say. Mm. And I think with all of this research that he's been doing and or been able to do lately, your music really synchronized with that in a way that his guidance over top of your music is just pure and potent magic it's so incredible i mean i just it i just don't even know what happened the first time that i listened to his i think it's the electric body meditation that uh song of the ancients was in and it was just, whoo. Wow. <laughs> and everyone, everyone was talking about it after we did it on the beach in Marco Island. Wow. 
yeah, it was incredible. The two of you are just quite the team, I swear. Wow. It's so cool. Oh, so I have to ask. So uh, how did you, I mean, you've manifested this amazing collaboration with Dr. Joe. What, was there anything that, did you visualize something similar happening or what is your like manifestation practice? Like I know things have really synchronized for you in the past and this obviously is a clear synchronicity, just your music and his uh, scientific approach to meditation. Um, Is there anything that you can think of that sticks out in terms of bringing this into your life? Well, you know, I, met Dr. Joe in person, I think about 10 or 12 years ago. And he came to Vancouver (laughs) and a a friend of mine had, uh, was sponsoring him or helping to promote him. Uh And, uh, I had never heard of him before, but she told me about him and said, you should come and meet this guy. You know, he uses music, you know, during his meditations and stuff. Anyway, so I came in at the end of the, uh, weekend workshop that he had uh, run in Vancouver Mm -hmm. and she introduced us and we shook hands. Hi, nice to meet you. And then, you know, he had to go. Uh, So that was that, but I was always thinking, okay, you know, he should be using my music. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I had only. It was kind of a conscious thought. Yeah. Um, Oh, cool. But I didn't, you know, I let it go because I didn't really know much about him at that point. And um, yeah, I just, it's been my dream and vision for quite some time ever since I like realized the potency of this music that's coming through to be able to record it, uh, in, you know, in a professional manner and, um, to get it out, to share it with the world. And so that's been my, uh, unwavering intention uh, I feel cool, it's like my yeah. mission in life. You know, I have, yeah, I've been entrusted with this medicine that the world Ooh. people need. Yes. And it's my job to share it. Yes. So I'm doing whatever I can. And I, uh, you know, let whatever go. It takes. Of, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I let go of specifically anything happening with Dr. Joe, but during uh, the middle of lockdown in 2020, I got this uh, email showed up in my inbox from his assistant saying, hi, <laughs> would you, uh, you know, be interested in, you know, Dr. Joe is interested in licensing some of your music, you know, can we talk? I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> Let me think about it for a minute. <laughs> so um, here we are. It just happened. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So cool. I love hearing about, you know, that story because just experiencing it myself, I just, I mean, I don't think, and not that all, obviously all of his meditations I've truly enjoyed, especially doing them, um, in a group setting at his workshops and whatnot. But I mean, with the one that I did that you were included on, I had to go and I was like doing all the research I could about it. I'm like, okay, it didn't even occur to me just because I I sing sometimes, but I'm not a musician by any means. And, um, it just never occurred to me to see, I just always thought, he was the one making the music for some reason. And maybe at one time he was, I have no idea, but I just hadn't been so obsessed to look yet at the credits in each meditation. And so I was like, there's gotta be, I've gotta be able to find what 
how this music came about. I need to know more about this. <laughs> and I just go deep diving. And of course, it didn't take that long because your name is right on um, the meditation that I love. And I was like, I got to find this guy right now. I got I to gotta talk to him. And I got to know more about this because he has got something that I need to know about. <laughs> Very cool. And it was just like, I was so driven to find you because, you know, for me, I feel like I just from, I don't know, I always want to open my heart more, but I find myself focusing on it too much that when I'm at his retreats, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm going all in, you know, I want to have a spiritual awakening. Like, let's do this. (laughs) And I just try so hard and I'm, you know, whatever. But for whatever reason, you know, that song came on. I was like, Whoa. (laughs) Wow. And it did it. And I woke up. So it was a walking meditation on Marco Island, which I love his walking meditations, Hmm. but you know, so we're walking on a beautiful beach with everyone at the workshop. And at the end you lay down. So I'm like standing there, like my feet are in the ocean and I'm hearing your music and just like sobbing uncontrollably, but then also like self-consciously because that's who I am. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, having all these visions popping in my head. And he's like, okay, now go lay down. So I lay my towel down and, you know, lay down on the beach and it's still just like pumping. My heart is just like, I felt like, like you said, electric and I wake up from my meditation and I look down at my feet and there's a rose by my feet on the beach. Wow. And I was like, okay, I know that was not there before (laughs) I lay down because I was very conscious of like laying my towel down. And if I would have seen a rose on the beach, I would have just noticed it. So I took a picture of it and I was like, dude. And it just was so symbolic to me because it, it just felt like my heart was blooming, you know? And I was like, whoa, I just, I couldn't even talk about it. Like I went with one of my best friends and I just looked at her and I was like, holy, I don't know what just happened to me. And then like we go and I think we, it must've been a sunrise meditation because I think we went to breakfast after and everyone's kind of talking about their meditations and I'm just kind of like silent, just like, whoa. And people kept coming up to me being like, you're glowing. Wow. You're so beautiful. And I was like, what? Uh, oh, thank you. I think I woke up at 4am and stumbled out. I hope I brushed my teeth. Like, you know, I was just like, like something happened and I want that to happen every single day, <laughs> but it was so magical. And your music was just such a integral part of that. I'm just so excited to be talking to you right now because it was so awesome. Mm. Everyone needs to know about this. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was something. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. (laughs) So another question that I had for you moving forward from my heart blooming, um, is there a mantra that you use right now or one that like is your favorite? Oh, I would just have to come back to Om. And, oh. and Om Ah Hum. Om Ah Hum. These are uh, the three together are known as the seed syllables from the Tibetan Buddhist mantra system. Mm. And they're used for purification. Oh. And I actually was 
um, in the company of, or in the same room as the monk that is the medium for the Oracle of Tibet. Ooh, he's the medium? Yeah. His name is Nichung Kutinla. And um, so the Oracle of Tibet is a subtle being, non-physical form, that uh, has always been an advisor to the Dalai Lama. And through the generations, um, the story is, to my understanding, I can't, uh, you know, claim to have this in total accuracy, but my understanding of the story is that Padma Sambhava is the person who brought uh, Buddhism to Tibet Mm. all these, you know, many, many, many years ago. And uh, he convinced or captured this subtle being in Mongolia or Siberia, if I remember right, and brought it to Tibet. And it serves as this subtle being advisor to the, uh, to the Dalai Lama. Oh. <clears throat> when the monk, there's only one monk at a time that channels this being. When that monk dies, then they look for signs for the next, oh, uh, next medium. Yeah. yeah. And just as they look for signs of, you know, who's going to be the next Dalai Lama. And this happens with, in, in that lineage, they, there's certain lamas and, and initiates that they know they're going to come back and they know what signs to look for to find them. Mm. And um, <clears throat> so anyway, Nichung Kutunla was found. And he came to Colorado when I was uh, living there. And, oh. uh, and uh, yeah, I was in a sm- relatively small audience. I think it was probably, 25 people and him and some other monks that he was traveling with. And I had already been chanting Om Ahum and I'd actually been wearing an amulet uh, necklace, a necklace with those symbols for years at that time. And uh, in his lecture, he talked about using the sounds Om Ahum to purify your energy before meditation. So his instructions were to, uh, when you chant OM, or even if you're just listening, you know, with your internal, internally, um, you know, hearing the sound, to envision red emanating in your head um, with OM and with AH, white, lighting up your throat, and with whom blue emanating from your heart. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'll write that down. So it's not, um, it doesn't coordinate with colors of the chakras. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a different um, perspective, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting because, you know, the, we have the colors of the chakras that we're presented with and mm-hmm. the lore, but um, different uh, clairvoyants will see different colors for the chakras. Oh, and might see multiple colors in person's chakras. I I find that also interesting, you know, with regards to sound in the chakras because um, they started, you know, as soon as crystal bowls became popular, then you had a chakra set of crystal bowls and Mm -hmm. it just miraculously corresponded to the Western musical scale. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) So your base chakra is C and sacral chakra is D and on up 
through the scale. Oh, interesting. But, you know, chakra is a Sanskrit term, and I think they were discovered, you know, millennia before Western music was standardized into scales. And uh, <clears throat> then you have the whole debate about, um, you know, solfeggio frequencies or 432 hertz tuning and, you know, and some people say, well, standard concert tuning, 440 hertz is evil and all that stuff. And I just don't, for me, anyway, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and it doesn't, these debates don't resonate with me. There is um, a lot of logic to the presentation, 432 hertz as being um, in scale with or aligned with structure of the universe. I'm not, you know, debating that, mm -hmm. but I find that, well, first of all, none of my instruments are tuned to 432 and none of them are tuned to perfect uh, concert pitch, which is 440 Hertz. Mm -hmm. um, and when I first, when I got my first crystal bowl and I started using that publicly, people would ask me often, what chakra is that for? And I would just always say, you know, this is a magical bowl, and it's <laughs> programmed Ooh, it to like go where that. it's needed, and, yeah. and it does. And, it <laughs> and all of my instruments do that. Um, I, I remember I could play the bowl for a room full of people, and everyone would tell me how they felt it in different parts of their body. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I my feel intention like was that it would go where it's needed, and yeah. that's, miraculously, that's where it goes. <laughs> Wow, that's so fascinating. And I yeah. totally believe that. I mean, in, like you were saying, like your intention and your emotion when you're doing something or thinking something changes everything. Yeah. So well, that, that being said, if someone has a chakra bowl set and they believe that they're covering all the chakras with these bowls, who am I to say it doesn't work? Right. But I don't think it's absolutely necessary you know, to right. follow Or even that. an absolute at all. An absolute at all. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I totally agree with you on that. And I've had a really hard time expressing that because I feel like, right, you know, everyone likes to f argue about facts and truth and scientific whatever. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, is everyone's story is valid and whatever you believe to be true is going to show up in your life. Right. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, yeah. that's just, I, I told people, I think it was a couple episodes ago when I was introducing this podcast, you know, learning about the observer effect <laughs> completely blew my mind. I couldn't even understand it just reading it. I had to watch a YouTube video for kids. You know, it's like a quantum physics uh, cartoon. I think I probably watched it like 25 times because it blew my mind. Like this was like, I don't even know, 10 years ago maybe. And I was mm. like, holy cow, everything is up for interpretation. Right. <laughs> I, that's just, <laughs> yeah. I, it's mind blowing. Yeah. And if you have, if you can be so grounded in your own practice and in your own life, in your mission, and connecting, you know, with the cosmos and with the earth when you go out and do something in the world and put that intention or belief or whatever it is into your work, that's what transforms people. And that's when you have, like you said, your magical sound bowl. Yeah. And if people would just listen to your music. 
That's all they, they might be able to <laughs> tune into that part of themselves. Exactly. <laughs> but it's just so interesting. And, and that's why I think I started this podcast because, you know, I was a fashion blogger and then I was a lifestyle blogger. And then I started talking about manifesting and there's just so much when you look into the energy of everything and like the unseen a blog post just wasn't cutting it for me. Like I needed, mm. I, you know, I, I need to hear people's perspectives that are living it, you know? Uh-huh. And that's why it's so awesome to have you on as the guest because I mean, your story is so incredible and just the fruits of it speak for themselves, honestly, but um, it's just so awesome. Well, I'm absolutely honored to be here. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. And um, I feel like I, had more, I have a lot more questions for you, but I'm not going to keep you too long. But uh, have you ever tried Dr. Joe's breath? Yes. What was your, how was that? I love it. Now, um, I'm thinking in terms of um, like uh, in tuning into new potentials. Yes. That's That's the breath you're referring to, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah, that one's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that one. Um, ooh, and then <clears throat> what is probably the coolest, whether a response or experience that you've seen um, at one of your live, you know, cosmic throat seeing meditation events? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Another loaded question. <laughs> well, I've had my mind blown so many times. Oh, that's so awesome. What a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe I can distill it down a little bit. Uh, One time I was invited by a friend who's a teacher at an alternative high school to come play for a group of at-risk boys, young men. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, of course I, yeah. I'll come do that. And, and, um, but on the way there, I'm thinking, Oh no, what are these young guys going to think of me? You know, this old guy coming in with these strange instruments. What are they listening to? You know, <laughs> they're going to yeah. compare me to like Jay Z or something. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to laugh at me. And I, so I just, you know, went in and I just was completely, I was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to be myself, you know? Right. Well, of course, what, you know, what else can I do? Right. But, Gotta uh, go for it. Yeah. Just like, okay, here's who I am. This is what I do. And this is why I'm doing it. And if you guys, you know, check it out. So they cleared the desks in the room and brought in yoga mats. So they all laid down and they were right into it. Ooh. But when one young fellow got up in the middle of my set and walked out of the room and my internal dialogue was, well, you know, win some, you lose some. Well, (laughs) afterward he comes back into the room when it's all over and talking to everyone. He says, he just bursts back in the room. He says, I had a realization. (laughs) I'm getting off all the drugs and getting my life together. This is it. I'm making a change. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Wow. Another time, and uh, I led a breathwork experience followed by my sound journey. An elder gentleman spoke up. I, I, I would, in the, if I could 
was in a smaller venue, I'd often pass around a talking stick to encourage people to share their experience. It, it really helps with our their grounding and, and everyone's integration. This elder gentleman said that he had previously experienced a near-death experience. And in that near-death experience, he was found himself lying in a beautiful grassy field. He was looking up at the sky and he saw a, a tunnel with light and he had gone to the tunnel. Um, he didn't expound on it that much more, but he, you know, he came, obviously he had come back and he said, today I was in that same field. Oh, he says, I was there again and I saw the tunnel, but I didn't go to it. And oh, wow. Yeah. And so I, you know, well, I thanked him for staying with us. <laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, that was incredibly profound. Wow. Um, and one more I have to add. The, in oh, 2019, do. I was in uh, France. I was on my second mini tour through France and Belgium. And... Uh, just outside of Paris, I was playing in a yoga studio and this uh, young uh, Indian, French Indian, you know, from India um, woman spoke up and she was crying and she says her goddess, you know, that she connects with is Shakti and she'd always dreamed of actually seeing her. And communicating with her directly, you know, she does her pujas and everything on her shakti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, "Today, she was here. She was with me, and it was just as real as you are." And oh, yeah, and I just got chills. Woo! Yeah, and you know, she's saying this through her tears of gratitude, and um, wow. yeah, she said that among other things that. She was told how important this is, you know, to gather together and to pray and, and to experience music in this way. So it was very wow. Yeah. Gosh, that is so incredible. Yeah. I just can't imagine what it feels like getting that kind of feedback. Uh, yeah, no words for it. <laughs> it's just. Wow. And then it's yeah. so beautiful. Like at the same time, you're also feeling this like amazing energy from what you were describing as like the feedback loop. Yeah. That's Absolutely. just so awesome. It's, it's a completely different experience from when I was, you know, you know, playing in and bands in a bar where, right. you know, success was measured by how much alcohol you got people to buy. And, oh gosh, yeah. Right? Well, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, and how much business and, you bring in for the bar? Right. And that was—I was always drained after those gigs. I was, you know, wiped yeah, out. Yeah, it wasn't as energy giving. <laughs> yeah, and and doing what I do now, even if I on tour and play multiple nights in a row and traveling and all that, I feel energized. You're thriving. Absolutely, I bet. it gives yes. me way more than and it takes, you know, and it, yeah, it's just all this infinite feedback of energy and blessing. It's such a gift. Wow. It's just such an example of like true abundance. You yeah. know, I always say give and then you will receive and it just yeah. comes back. I mean, I don't even know if tenfold is enough 
to describe, you know, how it's coming back to you, but that is just so inspiring. Wow. This is why we need to all go after our dreams, tune into our potentials. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Okay. So one more thing you have to tell the story about the song of the ancients. Ah. We can't finish without talking about that. Yes. Well, I think it was about in 2010, uh, I was invited to play at a, in a private home for a healing, a group healing session that was being conducted by a healer from Hawaii who I had never met. And I just, you know, checked with my gut my heart and yeah okay i'll do that and, and apparently the uh, healer um, also tuned into me and said yeah i can work with him so showed up <laughs> and um there's maybe 15 people in attendance um in this beautiful home and i played while uh, my new friend um led a guided meditation and like a group energy healing well in there's a couple that were participating and the gentleman was from Peru and uh, I hadn't met them before, but uh, turns out his name is Jamie and turns out Jamie was raised in Cusco, Peru and had been training in the traditional um, spirit path for Mm. most of his life. He was also university educated and his partner uh, was a woman that lives in North Vancouver. So that's how he was oh, landing yeah, there. The and, and, uh, yeah, he's there in Canada. So after the whole session was over, people were just uh, socializing, and he pulls me aside, says, come here, brother, and says, the masters I work with say you need to come to Peru. Ooh, what a tall order. <laughs> One that you definitely want to uh, fulfill. <laughs> yeah, and... So, again, you know, chills pouring down my spine. And, uh, you know, what am I going to say to that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, right. Let me Uh, think about it again. again. (laughs) Um, And he goes on and he says, says, sound opens the doorways in these temples. He said, brother, you have the key. Come to Peru. Wow. And at that time, I didn't have the means to just, you know, book a flight and go. Um, but I got to know Jamie, and he was making regular um, return trips to Vancouver and sharing his wisdom teachings and events. And so we started working together. And after a couple of years, he said, hey, brother, next year. And he was also leading these uh, uh, sacred journeys to Peru. He'd take small groups of people to the sacred sites and temples. And he's a brilliant guide because he can give the scientific background, the historical background, and the spiritual background everywhere we went. And um, Mm. so he invited me to come as a co-facilitator on the next uh, journey to Peru uh, the following year, which was in 2013. Wow. And uh, so, of course, I said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Where do I sign? (laughs) And uh, we had a group of about 15 people. And on our way to Lake Titicaca from the Sacred Valley, uh, we camped out overnight in a high desert valley. And we arrived at dark, and we had a 
you know, just some broth for dinner. And we spent the night up uh, by the by a fire and uh, did a, uh, a medicine ceremony. Cool. And so I set up my instruments next to the fire and I sang through the night. And Jamie, in between some of the music, would teach and pray and, um, you know, tell stories and whatnot. It was just Wow, that sounds amazing. It, it was. And we um, got about an hour of sleep just before the sun came over the ridge. And then once the sun hit our tents, they immediately turned into ovens. So, <laughs> uh, so I oh, got man. up. Yeah. And uh, I'm standing outside my tent doing a little morning practice. And I had been looking for a talking stick. Um, for a couple of years, I had given away my previous magic talking stick. Oh. Um, and uh, so I, I looked out at my feet and there's this beautiful little piece of wood. It was from a shrub that was struck by lightning. And I picked oh, it up. And wow. It, it was electric. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I knew like, this is the one, you know, and I just, I'm holding it in my hand right now. <laughs> um, Ooh. And then, uh, about an hour later, uh, we had a breakfast and, and we went for a little walk through this valley, which we can now see since we arrived at dark. The rock formations were just out of this world. And um, the medicine was still with me. The plant medicine was very much present with me as well. Yeah. And Jamie pointed out to me where there were tombs underneath rock formations all around us, where these ancient ancestors were resting undisturbed after millennia and moments later i started to hear this voices in my head oh yeah and they're singing it over and over again and i started to hum along with it and then i sang it for my companions and, and for jamie and i tried to record it I had an iPod in my pocket and I attempted to record it so I could obviously remember it. Yeah. And um, little did I know it, that didn't work. So as we're in the bus approaching uh, Lake uh, Puno where Lake Titicaca is, I, I was thinking, oh, that song, so good. How did that melody go again? I pulled out my iPod oh. and it wasn't there. Oh, gosh. And I couldn't remember. So I'm like, no, no, please. And I just started praying. You know, I was praying to the ancestors. I'm praying to the universe, you know, the creator. I'm praying to the earth. Yes. Praying to the medicine. Literally anyone, anybody listening. (laughs) I said, you know, if if this, I will, I took a vow. I said. You took another vow. Yes. I'm going to start doing that. You're (laughs) inspiring me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just said, you know, if, if this comes back to me, I will share it. I promise, and I'll record it to the best of my abilities. And thank the Lord you did. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. <laughs> well, I didn't come back uh, for another like forty-eight hours. Um, second night, um, just gave up, and I was going to bed, and all of a sudden, it, it, there they are singing in my head again. Oh, so awesome. I grabbed my official digital. So, were you recorder. still in Peru at this point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were, uh, I was in the hotel at uh, Puno right next on the shores of Lake Titicaca. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And um, so I had a 
portable digital recorder with me and I re- recorded it right away, uh, just, you know, singing the melody. And uh, eventually I was able to, uh, yeah, get into the studio with a budget and um, a good producer. Yeah. And that's what you have heard. And Yeah, gosh. Yeah. No, that's what I felt. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, it was so electric. And I just can't get over, oh, gosh, it's so good. It oh. really- to me, it feels like it's uh, a transmission, direct transmission from yeah. the ancestors. You know. And like you were saying, the intentions you put behind your music, yeah, that with the power of the ancestors and how this came to fruition, I mean, not everybody had the same experience with this walking meditation on Marco Island, mm-hmm. but everybody had an experience. You know, I guess I can't say everyone, but it just seemed like you know, everyone was just electric. We came back eventually after breakfast and um, our break and whatnot. We come back to the ballroom where Dr. Joe was holding the workshop. And he's like, everyone, I mean, everyone is just like, and Dr. Joe's like, so did you like that one? And we're all like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) and we all just loved it. And, ah, it was so magical. And, you know, he had it, um, in his app, like when you attend a workshop, he has an app and you can, once you leave, you have access to those meditations for 30 days. And mm. oh my gosh, like I played the living crap out of those. Like, and, and, and part of the reason why I was reaching out to you is like it ended and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to find this. And finding you on Spotify, I was like, oh, thank God I can listen to it here. And, you know, I was just, uh, it's just so magical and truth be told. So when I launched this podcast and had my first guests, you know, I'm just like, ah, ah, you know, the fear of being heard and like, what if no one listens and whatever. I just played your song before I recorded my first podcast and I played song of the ancients and I sat there and I got silent and I tuned into my heart and that feeling that I got in Marco Island. And it's part of the reason why I'm even recording and everything's going so well. I mean, I freaking love that song wow it's so magical and i'm so happy that it came back to you um <laughs> and that you've recorded it and just share sharing it with the world is such a gift mm-hmm. man i freaking love that song um <laughs> oh and one more thing i wanted to add about your human design which i thought was so interesting um i was looking at your incarnation cross mm-hmm. which um It's not, I wouldn't say it's your purpose, but it's just kind of how energy is best expressed in your chart, if you will. Hmm. Um, And with human design, I think it's very malleable. So I don't, it's, I take it as a tool or with a grain of salt, it's, you know, up for interpretation. But um, I was reading about it and it talks about how with this incarnation cross, you have comfort in rules or you start to feel chaos, especially as a child. Mm. So you have the qualities and the drive to make the laws better, but gradually. So like not super drastically. Mm. And just because chaos isn't necessarily where you would thrive, if you will. Mm. But it said this cross is about living out the laws of the tribe. And I thought that was so interesting because just like song of the ancients, it's like, you tuned into this mystical tribe, you know, and you brought that to 
like to now, you yeah. know, and it's also changing, at least for me, like the laws, if you will, in my mind, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was so interesting. Wow. How you're just, the way that they use tribe, I was like, whoa, this can't be. I was like, hold on, I got to read this again. Because, <laughs> I mean, you're just, li- it's just, I feel like you have so many just synchronicities. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Not just in your chart, but just the way like you manifest. And um, it's just so cool. I just, I'm so, so inspired by your story and your music and just the way you make me feel. It's so awesome. And Yay. I just thank you for having the courage and, you know, sticking through it through your journey because it truly is everything you've created is really, really heart opening, I should say. Thank you. You're so welcome. And you guys, you can find Matthew on Spotify. He is, you just, if you want to manifest something, I'd recommend that you just go on and hit shuffle. (laughs) If you're in a time crunch, listen to Song of the Ancients, but he has a new song out, which also I listen to in Marco Island. And it's also, I mean, beautiful doesn't, I don't even have the adjective, but um, Bahala is out. So if you just need to take a break from your day or you want a quick little meditation or just you don't have to do anything, just play the song. And like you heard Matthew talking, I mean, his intentions and the energy he puts behind his work is you just can't miss it. You just hit play and you will feel the difference but find him on instagram on spotify and you know stay tuned to what he's got going on because if you if you've been listening you know he's going to be manifesting even more stuff (laughs) but again thank you matthew so much for coming on this was absolutely beautiful and just you know one of my manifestations so thank you so much absolutely honored thank you Catherine. okay talk soon